Hey there, guys. Wanted to tell you about something new. I've launched a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Andrew Brand. People have asked about getting more content, more insight, more information from me, and now that's available through various tiers. If you're able to join on patreon.com, you can get shout-outs from me. You can get the Business of Sports podcast transcripts. You can get Ask Andrew questions, weekly newsletters, all kinds of ways to interact with me, including a monthly conversation about whatever you want to talk about, jobs in the sports industry, breaking into sports. It's all available now on patreon.com, Andrew Brent. If you're able, please join, select your tier, and be able to have further content and interaction with me. Patreon.com slash Andrew Brent. I hope you join. It's quite a time in the business of sports. These sports leagues all figuring out what to do next. We know that baseball is going through this acrimonious, very contentious negotiation about getting back to the field. Hockey looks like they're going to start a couple different locations. They haven't announced yet. They're seeing where the hotspots are and aren't. Basketball looks like they're getting ready to go, although there's this undercurrent led by Kyrie Irving that maybe this isn't the right time to play to focus on social unrest, etc., And football, of course, watches and waits, as I talk about all the time. They have that luxury of doing so. But one league is going, and that is MLS. It will get going soon as players report to Disney to live in the bubble for anywhere from three to six weeks, depending on how long the teams last in the playoffs. It's a World Cup format. It's group format. Uh, A few groups of four, one group of six. Anyway... One player involved in negotiation for the MLSPA against the MLS is Alejandro Bedoya, the captain of the Philadelphia Union. I've gotten to know him a little bit. He came and saw me. We've developed kind of a relationship. So I thought I'd bring him on the podcast, have him talk about his situation, the negotiations, his fear early on about being placed in the bubble, and where the MLS is right now. So without further ado, my conversation with Alejandro Bedoya, Philadelphia Union of Major League Soccer. It's really interesting getting to know you, Alejandro, because before we get to the issues at hand, um, you know, I think I spoke at a Wharton, University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School of Business Sports Summit, and a lot of people come to these events, uh, mostly students and professionals either in the business of sports or trying to get in the business of sports. Rarely, if ever, <laughs> have I looked out in the audience and seen an athlete, let alone a professional athlete. But you came, and you seem uh, generally interested in learning about legal and business issues in sports. You came up to me afterwards, and we struck up a friendship since. So I just want to, before we get into anything about sports and sort of on the field, uh, sort of dive into your interests off the field and tackling bigger issues than, you know, on the field issues. Yeah, like you said, uh, that was the first time we, we actually met at that, that Penn um, Business Sports Summit, um, and I, I found your you know the stories and you know your background incredibly interesting. Um, I would read your some of your stories you know um, online. I've been following you for a long time, following you know everything you've been doing with the NFL. So it was just interesting, you know, the intersection right there as a as a as a player who is now trying to build his business acumen and get a better understanding of kind of the other side of things right right and used to be just focused playing on uh playing soccer and, and just seeing sports on tv but as i near the end of my career and my playing days I, I guess um just getting a better understanding of how 
the business side of sports works and um like you said uh, i have other endeavors off the field as well you know uh, side side businesses um you know I've, I've been able to build up a real estate portfolio off the field um you know i've got other investments um all across the board in different industries and then uh, you know coffee shop business a family-run coffee shop business out of out of fort lauderdale florida having a colombian background um a farm in Colombia that produces coffee. So I'm going to start importing that here. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess that's a little bit of my background. And yeah. uh, I consider myself, you know, more than an athlete. You know, it's uh, redundant saying that's being used often now these days, right? Um, I think I've also been, vo- uh, I've had a past vocal. I've been vocal in the past um, yes. in terms of different issues that I feel uh, are important in today's society and, you know, that affect me and my family and my friends. And uh, I tend to be, you know, I guess a little bit more empathetic than maybe some others. <laughs> no, I think that's definitely true. And you sort of bring up more than an athlete. And I talk about it a lot. I'm sure a lot of people do. And they really focus on guys like LeBron and shut up and dribble and bouncing back against that. And you talk about this peaceful protest and everybody's talking about Kaepernick right now. <laughs> after they ignored him for four years, um, mm. all of that, you know, I don't want to get to that with you as well, just to bring the listeners up to date on you. Cause I've followed you. I don't know how many, I do have a lot of soccer fans listening as well, but you came over from Nantes. If I, if I, did I say that right? Nantes, Nantes? Uh, Nantes, you don't pronounce the S. So it's like, uh, we, uh, oh, Nantes. Nantes. okay. Yeah. In France, to the union, I believe in 2016. Um, Correct. And just just a quick question about sort of tr- you were overseas. I know in different spots before that, and as you said, you're Colombian. So, just sort of the initial reaction to playing professional soccer in this country, which you know, there's no secret, does not have the tradition of all the other countries you you played for. So sort of now that you've been here four years, or what's your sense of soccer in America before we get to the deal made for playing in 2020? Yeah, my sense is it's still obviously a growing sport. You know, we've got the four major sports still leading the way. Um, but MLS is still relatively young. You know, this is the 20, which is, well, we're going to restart the 25th season soon of, a, of MLS. Right. Um, and it's been building a lot of momentum. Uh, it's gotten a lot better. You know, when I first graduated from, from college, from Boston College, and, and went overseas, MLS was still, was still rather, you know, young, had growing pains. Um, the quality of play wasn't there. Uh, but it's been built up over time. And I think they've done a decent job of bringing over, you know, foreign players, international players from both Europe and South America that have increased the quality of the league. Um, so yeah, when I first left, you know, it, it, the quality was n- not nearly where it is now. Um, but this is my fourth year now and you can see that, that, uh, from top to bottom and on every team, you know, you, you see the different styles of play, you know, and the tactical part of the game has improved. Um, although that still needs, uh, uh, a lot more, um, uh, to be looked at, you know, I think the tactical, the young players developing in, in the system here in, in the States uh, still lag um, far behind, you know, their tactical acumen uh, from, from European counterparts. But you see the style, you know, the style of play, guys, you know, here in America, we, we produce a lot of uh, great athletes. 
Um, and you see that athleticism on display in MLS, you know, uh, the speed, the ability to jump high, um, all these things, you know, a very fast-paced game. So, uh, and again, very physical. But um, like I said, it's 25th year, it's still relatively young, but it's, you know, I think uh, the start of the season was, was off to a great start. And uh, it's uh, definitely growing in the right direction. And before we get again to the issue at hand with playing in 2020, at Disney, you mentioned it before, more than an athlete. I just want to get this in because now so many athletes are coming out with what's happened in Minneapolis and George Floyd and the protests and peaceful protests and police brutality, all these things. But you were very vocal uh, on an issue of gun gun violence. I believe it was about a year ago when um, you scored and D.C. and the shootings, the mass shootings that just happened in Dayton and in El Paso. And you actually took the on-field microphone, I remember this, as everyone uh, that knows you did it does, said Congress do something and gun violence. And it was aired live on Fox Sports 1. It got a national attention. And I'll say this, unless you, you tell me differently, I didn't see any punishment from the league or your team. Uh, talk about that moment, as I'm sure that got you a lot of maybe unwanted, maybe wanted attention. <laughs> right. Uh, I think just I'll start from the beginning of the weekend, you know, when the first shooting happened um, in El Paso on Saturday. And I believe I woke up the next day, Sunday morning to breaking news again, another shooting in Dayton. Um, so that whole weekend, you know, as we prepare for a game, uh, that was in the back of my mind. Uh, I mean, you couldn't turn on the TV without and, uh, all the channels pretty much covering these, these shootings. And, you know, I grew up in uh, Western Florida, which was close to the Parkland shooting, um, school shooting. So that really hit close to home. Uh, I played on that campus many, many times growing up. Mm-hmm. I had many friends that attended that school as well. I had a teammate who lost one of his best friends in that shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that whole weekend, you know, just thinking of that's like you're not even thinking about soccer much, you know, uh, as you prepare for the game, just thinking about the victims and the gun violence in our country. Um, so I scored that goal. You know, I don't score much, so I, I don't really plan <laughs> many celebrations. <laughs> I don't score often. So it just so happens I went over to that corner um, and I saw one of my teammates, uh, mothers, his family, went over there, hugged her. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I, for whatever reason, something just struck me. And I looked over, I, I and I saw the mic on the on the field, and something just told me just go over there and, and say what's on your mind. And you know, you just referenced what I had mentioned. And I said on TV, and uh, you know, I didn't know if the mic was on or not, and or if they didn't play that, you know, because you know, live games tend to be on a TV delay, right, for the, the viewers right. at home. So maybe they could edit that part out or just mute it. But um, yeah, I remember going back into the locker room and the, the police officer there, you know, uh, security and in the field was just like, hey, by the way, thanks for, for what you've said. You've gone viral. And at that moment, I knew like, oh, man, <laughs> uh, you know, I checked my phone. The battery was low, yeah. tons of messages and stuff. But uh, I think, yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't mind the attention. I think oh, it was overwhelmingly supportive, you know, and just seeing comments and reading through the messages, you know, or even people who suffer from anxiety, you know, from being involved, victims of, of these types of shootings. Um, just something that I think that we can all get behind, you know, about gun safety and more gun awareness. Because it, it is a epidemic in our country, you know. A uh, hundred people die 
every day from, from gun violence. And, um, you know, I've been able to work now with an organization called Every Town. Um, it does a lot of grassroots effort in combating gun violence because it is, you know, like I said, I, mean, I, I, trade, I played in Europe for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even my European teammates, you know, they would always ask, like, what's up with the States? Like, you know, <laughs> with all these yeah. mass school shootings and, and gun violence, they just can't wrap their heads around um, kind of this obsession with, with, with guns. But, you know, it's, it's not about gun control. You know, I advocate more gun safety, more gun awareness. That You know, I think there's something that we can all get behind, you know. It's a bipartisan effort. You know, it's nonpartisan, actually, to, to try to you know, limit deaths by gun. Have you been involved in any protests or any activism in the past three weeks based on what's happened throughout this country? I have come up. I have been out uh, walking the streets in Philly. I live in city center. Right. So, you know, uh, a lot of the, the, some of the marches have gone right by my home. Uh, and you hear them, you go out. Um, you know, my wife actually is returning from working out, <laughs> from going on a run or a jog. You actually just went into um, some of the protesters and you just joined them. Hmm. Um, so it, it's been, it, it's been incredible just seeing the, the diversity in the protesters, right? Um, which they're all, you know, enough is enough, right? People are fed up. Uh, it took uh, some violent videos, graphic, um, despicable, terrible behavior by others to get to where we are. But you just feel something about the energy. You know, you, you live in near Philadelphia. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of it almost kind of. I feel like you just feel a different energy that I hope will bring about change. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where I, I feel like I'm more than that. Many athletes feel that they need this time now to, to continue to voice their their you know, use their platform to um, have their voices heard. Um, and I think it's important for all of us, you know, to be in this together. Because how can you not be against police brutality? How can you not be against racist people? You know, you're either on the right or wrong side of history. Right. We've got these two crises going on together in this country right now. The one we just talked about, what's going on with police brutality and inequity of treatment of minorities and this discovery of, of how race is treated by so many. And then of course the health crisis, uh, and COVID-19 and all the impacts the virus has had and is having on sports among society in general. But my focus, our focus is sports. When you and I talked last, you were in the middle of negotiations, um, on the part of the MLSPA, the Major League Soccer Players Association with the league, on what's going to happen, when you're going to play, how you're going to play, where you're going to play, what the rules are going to be. And I know you and a lot of others expressed some frustration on being holed away in Orlando, I think you called it. And I'm not saying this disparagingly at all. I think you called it a luxurious prison. Uh the deal's done now. So what changed? I'll get into the terms of the deal in a minute, but it seems that that aspect is there, the the bubble concept that both you guys and the NBA are going to go through. Um, how are you feeling about that? What changed in your thinking or your leadership's thinking in agreeing to that part of it at least? Yeah, I think, you know, the term that you said that, that you referenced that I used, it was a, it was a harsh one, but it, it's a metaphor, right? the way I was thinking at that time, that was when I said that it was kind of tongue, it was tongue in cheek. Right. I think about the movie, the longest yard. And, um, yeah. when you actually see the interview, I was kind of, you know, laughing a bit off. 
uh, to decide about that comment. But I think um, it was just based off the initial proposal that had us going away for about almost three months, um, isolated in the hotel. We didn't have all the detailed specifics about it. You know, we were still questioning the health and safety, you know, protocols being taken. We'd have to be quarantined for about two, almost three weeks in our rooms by ourselves, not being able to leave at all. Um, and, you know, I guess room service would be there. Um, but, you know, I'm, this is all, with all this being said, you know, of course I'm sensitive to what's going on in the country and what people are dealing with. But I think oftentimes, you know, as much as we want to get back to playing and fans want to be entertained and, and things like that, uh, the, the human element of, of athletes sometimes gets forgotten, right? Like we have families as well. We have kids, young kids. We have newborns. We aren't leaving our families during normal circumstances. We're leaving our families during the pandemic, which has caused all kinds of stress on, on you know, on us, uh, on everybody. Um, so that's why I said what I said. Um, but what has changed since then, of course, yeah, it's, it's become a lot more reasonable. Um, I think if, if you don't get out of the group stage, you know, you're there maybe max three weeks. And if you make it to the finals and now you're there, you know, max uh, like a month and a half. So yeah, that's, that's a lot more reasonable. Right. Um, and, you know, it goes over with being said that we are able to get a deal, which kind of, uh, you know, limits the, uh, the pay cuts and all this stuff um, for our player pool. Um, I think they've, uh, they've done a, de- a good job actually of, kind of uh, getting health officials involved and the government officials, although there's still cause of concern and there's still questions to be answered, uh, need to be answered, you know, and then when you see the news and you see cases rising and stuff like that, and, right. you know, we're probably going to have to sign all these waivers, you know, we're assuming a lot of risk here as well. What are you most worried about? What am I most worried about? It is the fact that we are in a bubble, but what about the staff and the workers that are able to go in and out and who knows what they do? away from the resort or the hotel, right? It can usually come back in and, you know, cause for transmission of the virus, which, sure, there's maybe stats out there that show that athletes and people our age maybe aren't dying uh, at a at a big rate, but uh, you, you never know. What happens if one person gets positive? What happens if 10? Like, how many people is it going to take for it to burst that bubble, so to speak? Um and then what, we have to be returned home? What happens when we come home and maybe um, get our significant others infected? Um, what there may be the underlying protocol? health conditions that we don't know about. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just what? there's still a lot of risk, even though they've mitigated them as much as they could. You talk about mitigated risk. Talk to us about health and safety protocols that you're going down to have. Are you going to be tested and how frequently? Are there going to be temperature checks? What is the protocol for a positive test? Like you said, are you sent home? Are you quarantined? Yeah, there will be, you know, like I said, the staff, I think, will be taking temperature tests. I'm not sure how much, how often they're going to be tested, but the players will be periodically tested, um, possibly every other day or three times a week. I'm not sure exactly. if there is a positive test, we've been told that, you know, that player will be isolated in a certain part of the hotel. Um, you know, if they need to go to the hospital, they'll, they'll take that um, decision to take him to the hospital and, and get treatment there. Um, so, we'll, we'll, and then the, that's the other thing. What happens if that one team 
there's a lot of players that test positive amongst that team um, that, you know, kind of mess up the competition. Um, there's, like I said, there's still some questions to be asked um, that need to be answered. Um, but yeah, I think uh, they, they have taken good steps, I think, um, to make sure uh, that there is a mitigation of risk there and that we can get back to competing in, in a safe way and then in a com- real competitive way. Um, so I'm hopeful that, you know, I've seen other leagues now, the Bundesliga, I don't think yeah. they've had any major setbacks. You know, it's, it's also upon us as players and the staff members there to, to use common sense too, to, to make sure we, we social distance while we're there, to make sure we continue to wear masks, to protect one another and all those things. So those are all things that are going to be a part of it as well. So are you staying at one of the Disney hotels and you, all the games are going to be at the Disney sports facility where also the NBA will be? Is that what you understand? My understanding, yes. Obviously, we'll, we'll be at a different hotels than the NBA um, group will be at. Um, but, yeah, there'll be, you know, buses that provide transportation to and from, you know, the wide world of sports to and back to our hotels. Um, and, and we'll see. I guess I'm not sure what, what's going to happen there. Like uh, if we cross over, uh, if we overlap, you know, our, our, during our time there, Will we be able to watch games or will they be able to watch our games? You know, I, I just don't know how much bigger the bubble can be increased or, you know, what there's still, got, I'm sure everything's going to be taken into account, but, you know, like I said, health and safety is important, but also the, the length of time was the biggest issue as well in the beginning, you know, away from our families, which I think the NBA is dealing with now. Hey guys, back to Alejandro in a second. I'm thrilled to announce our new partnership with DraftKings. You know them as the leader in daily fantasy sports. What you may not know is that they launched America's top-rated sportsbook app. That's right. DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S. You can rest assured your funds are totally secure. So what do you do? Download your top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app. Use the code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS, and when you sign up, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus compromise of first deposit bonus and a first bait match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now, back to Alejandro Bedoya. All these leagues are now dealing with what you guys have resolved on the financial side. Um, We read every day as we sit here on June 15th about baseball back and forth and constant bickering and acrimony, and maybe the commissioner is just going to impose a short season right now. I think football will have to deal with it, and I think basketball is dealing with it well. They've already... um, had pay cuts for their bet players starting May 15th. How are you feeling about the financial deal the MLSPA made with the MLS and any details you can share here? Yeah, I feel, I feel, um, I feel all right with it. I think you never, nobody's ever happy when these things happen, right? Either side. Right. But I think they're, they're tough. Labor negotiations are tough. Uh, they're not easy. You know, you're always protecting your side's best interests. 
um, for our end, obviously, uh, you know, MLS being a single entity, um, you know, their commissioner's got to protect his owner's best interests. Um, right. They say they're losing however much money they are. You know, you take that at face value or you don't. You know, you don't. Um, you're never going to open their books, really, right? Um, but it's us right. to make sure that our player pool is um, is protected as much as possible. Um, because we all know, I think, I believe that the clubs and the ownership can absorb the losses a lot more than our player pool can, especially when we have, you know, um, players making, you know, it's not only millionaires like you think maybe, you know, NBA or NFL players are or MLB players, you know, we got guys making 60 grand a year, which, you know, to take a pay cut, uh, this is, again, sensitive to everything that's going around, but it's relative, right? Um, it's, it's, it's a lot when they play in big markets and, you know, they prepare accordingly. But this, this pandemic has really caused a lot of stress and economic hardships all over the, across the board. But what we can be satisfied is that we showed some uh, – you know, a sense of cohesion, strength, and unity towards the end of the negotiations when we really felt that uh, they, you know, kind of used a regressive bargaining tactic at the end there, you know, where they try to uh, add another clause to the force majeure, which was never in there in our prior CBAs, um, but we had agreed to an initial force majeure um, um, agreement, and then they added, like, the 11th hour another stipulation to it. it was kind of a slap in the face to us you know um and they kind of you know they said lock out or if you agree if you don't agree it's we're going to lock you guys out you know they they went the whole nuclear option which mm-hmm. is uh to many of us uh, very disrespectful considering that we've been bargaining in good faith the whole time um so uh it was a it was a tough process but you know i think we protected the players you know they took a uh I would say, you know, uh, a marginal uh, pay reduction in their pay for this year. Um, we made a lot more uh, concessions in, in the future years of the CBA. Um, we pushed back, the, you know, extended the, the deal a year forward, you know, so these terms for 2020 would be the same ones in 2021 and so forth. Um, and that's what's hard, you know, because you, a lot of times you think about now, 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 what's, what's the best for now, right. but you have to think about the future players too, or the young guys coming up, you know, um, how much is too much in terms of the future concessions are going to make, you know, to subsidize some of these losses. Right. Um, so it, it, it was tough, but I think at the end we got to a point where, um, the majority of the player pool was behind, um, what the, the proposed, last proposal that we made, the league agreed to it, and I think uh, we're just ready to get back out there competing, and, and hopefully over time, you know, the relationship can be repaired if we're really going to be into this in, in, in the partnership, you know. Yeah, well, kudos to you guys for making a deal. It looks so much better, no matter the terms, it looks so much better than what's going on in baseball right now. But what's so interesting about MLS, you and I talked about this, is you've got NFL months away, You've got NBA and NHL, 80% of their season was completed upon shutdown. And, of course, they're both starting back up. And then you've got baseball, which I just mentioned, hasn't started yet. But you guys played two games. <laughs> like, you started after a whole off season of getting ready and training. You started, played two games, and now you had another off season, And now you'll start again. It just is weird, I bet. Yeah, it is. It is strange. Um, 
I'll have to say, you know, just getting back on the field now, you know, we've only had two full team training sessions uh, just now. And wow. it's going to take some time to get fit. Uh, I think that's another issue that a lot of the leagues are, are are having issues with, you know, and the players in those associations is we need a period of time to get to get fit. So the quality of play can, can be where, where we want it to be, um, but also to protect the players, you know, because um, injury is a part of it, right? To get back to quickly, uh, you know, I guess we're a little bit different than NBA players where our games are played outdoors. So in Orlando, they're going to be inside in an air-conditioned <laughs> arena. Um, we're going to be outside during uh, the Orlando heat, although they have tried to kind of, you know, lessen the heat in terms of, playing games at, I think, 9 in the morning and 8 at night and 10.30 at night. saw that. Which will be strange, you know, because our natural body clock or, you know, our whole career, we've been just preparing to play games, you know, later in the day. It's going to be strange, you know, just, I guess, eating a pancake with waffles and going off to play a competitive game. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, those are the different elements we have to deal with. But that was a big, big thing for the league um, is to get back you know, be one of the first ones to get back just to maintain that relevancy. You know, we've gone three months without fans watching any games. Um, I think Don, uh, Don Garber has mentioned how the other leagues are more mature, you know, and how long they've been around and, and the fan bases. And obviously that's true. Um, we're still only 25 years in, but, uh, and still a growing league. So it was very important and they were very adamant that they wanted to get back, but you know, course are going to get pushed from us because we want to make sure we get back in the right way safest way possible and um i think i guess it looks good on us that we've been able to reach an agreement and you know hopefully get back soon playing yeah it looks good there and also you know again you mentioned not one of the major four but i think you could confidently say at least number five and you'll be going first right i mean as baseball figures out what to do, hockey and basketball seem to be a late July, if that start, uh, and you're going to be sooner. So you'll be first, and that's going to give you an added advantage in terms of focus and attention and eyeballs, which maybe you've never had before. So at least there's some positivity there. Tell us about your timing. When you go to Florida, uh, when does this group concept, is it just like the World Cup concept you talked about first round all the way through playoffs. Give us a sense of that, if you would. Yeah, and so because the, you know, kind of um, main focus was relevancy, you know, they, they they got innovative, which I've seen, I think you've had to be in during these times, right? right. And uh, created a format, a tournament style, uh, like you just said, the World Cup style, where teams have been uh, dispersed into different groups. There's uh, six groups of four teams, uh, well, there's six groups total. Yeah, five of four teams, I believe, and one of six teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Philly's in the six-team one, which is a disadvantage for us. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, probabilities of advancing out of the group are a little bit tougher. But uh, you know, it's another challenge. But I think uh, I think from a fan point, like you just said, with more eyes on us, maybe this is more appealing to maybe the mainstream audience. You know, not the uh, full-on, you know, hardcore soccer fans or MLS fans. Um, so it, it makes it it makes it more, uh, I guess, a little bit more competitive and uh, a little more interesting um, off the field. You know, who, who's going to come out of the groups, um, and get it to the knockout stages, this and that. But 
you know, the tournament starts, I believe, July 8th, I believe, is the first um, mm. day of games. So uh, from what I hear, I think we're supposed to get there. Um, they want us there a week before, you know, the uh, games kick off. Um, there will be some teams, though. The, the initial, pro- uh, the last proposal ended with uh, you were allowed to get down to Orlando, I think, June 24th. Um, and, you know, because... Uh, we have different states in different situations. Um, some teams, um, I think, uh, actually, I think all teams are now at full team training, but there were some teams that weren't even back in, in individual training sessions um, as of last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're probably lagging behind their fitness and, and just being able to get back to being competitive. So I'm sure those teams will go down to Orlando a lot earlier. But uh, as far as Philly's concerned, I believe you know, we've already started group. Uh, full team training session. So I hope that we can uh, go down there later, you know, uh, so we can stay with our families longer. And uh, and then we'll make the most out of it that when we get down there, you know, because uh, as athletes, you know, once the whistle blows, um, the competitive spirit comes out and you forget about everything and you just go out there and, and give your all. And you t- we talked about the luxurious prison comment before and sort of being a lockdown. How long are we looking at um, you talked about if you're, if you get in the playoffs, it's different. The maximum I think you said was like six weeks. What exactly is going to be your freedom? I guess, uh, are you locked down? What do you know about what you're doing during off times? Can you leave the hotel? Do you know much about that? Yeah, that's stuff that is still, still ongoing. Um, I believe they looked into uh, having us be able to play golf, maybe on one of the golf courses that mm. they um, owns down there to give us, uh, you know, <laughs> us breathe some air out there when we're not just training and playing or staying in a hotel. As far as I know, though, we're not allowed to leave the venue at all. Otherwise, uh, I'm sure there'll be some other forms of entertainment probably brought to us, maybe to the hotel um, that we can partake in. Uh, and then I guess it's just being uh, each individual athlete being creative, whether it's maybe uh, starting some online uh, business course or MBA program or, you know, going back to school during that time or just reading. And I don't know, <laughs> have more interviews like these, I guess. But uh, we, we just don't know what else we're going to be allowed to do. You know, uh, they've said no families allowed, uh, so nobody can visit. Um, so... You know, um, I mean, this is not me complaining, but this is just things right. that we have to deal with, right? Um, these are just things that I think anybody else would would, would want to know, especially during these times where uh, it's a lot of family issues. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of FaceTime back home, you know, <laughs> yeah. in your bed. Uh, so, you know, I think we have a lot of athletes that have just had newborns, um, a lot of international players. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure NFL really has to deal with this issue, you know, I guess, because you know, maybe their significant others have a proper support system, but I have a lot of guys on my team who have just come onto my team that are foreign nationals, you know, and um, their significant others are in a foreign country without really knowing the, the English language. Um, you know, daycares are closed, schools are closed, summer camps are pretty much closed. So yeah, uh, that makes it harder for, for them back home. Yeah. And as you said, NFL is, is the one league not, not talking about any kind of bubble concept. They're talking about full go in their home markets. Um, 
Yeah, this has been fascinating, sort of learning about the first league to sort of pull it together in terms of new bargaining agreement based on this, new deal, new setting, how to deal with it. Of course, NBA soon to follow. NHL still hasn't announced the markets yet. And then we'll see what happens with NFL. Thanks for sharing all this, Alejandro. The last thing I, I would be remiss without asking how you feel about your uh, new minority owner. I noted in the news last week, <laughs> Kevin Durant. Yeah, has no, bought, uh, bought a cool. piece exactly. of the uh, bought up some more notoriety, right, to the club. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of that? It's a Philly. Uh, I think it's cool. I think it. Uh, it's from an athlete standpoint, it's very nice to see. You know, other athletes. I think you know we've seen James Harden. Um, invest in Houston Dynamo as well. Um, but again, that goes to show you the, uh, <laughs> from an ownership standpoint or a league standpoint, that it's a, it's a very stable business investment. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, we talk about all these negotiations and stuff. Uh, you know, the fact that Kevin Durant, even still, I'm obviously the negotiations were happened before, uh, just recently, but that he felt to compelled to even still put his money in during the pandemic shows, um, you know, where the league is at and that he really believes in the future. And, you know, that's the other aspect of these negotiations, right? With the player side, you know, we have such a short kind of earning potential. Um, and, you know, the owners are there for the long haul, long term. And we continue to see these franchise values skyrocket across right. all the, the top tier, you know, sports here in America. And uh, good for Kevin and getting on board, <laughs> getting on that train and, uh, I guess I look forward to meeting him in person. And uh, I don't know if he's a big FIFA player or whatnot, or if he can play a little <laughs> bit, but we'll, we'll see him maybe in the, in the coming uh, days or weeks or years. Yeah, I mean, he's been very entrepreneurial with his partner, uh, Weinman, who's been on this podcast, 35 Ventures. They did the uh, business boardroom on ESPN. So that's great to see for you and for all of sports that these uh, – Athletes with name and voices and obviously a lot of money can get involved. Uh, I lied, so that wasn't my last question. <laughs> I do want to get your <laughs> just your quick thought on the U.S. team. Uh, I know you've had experience, obviously, playing on the roster. You were on the CONCACAF Gold Cup in 13, and then you played on the World Cup squad for the 2014 team. Uh, what's your... What's your, what's your take on the state of U.S. soccer, U.S. men's side? Yeah, we're in a rebuilding phase, you know. Uh, I think obviously not having qualified for the previous World Cup was a disaster. Right. Um, and it sucked, you know, being on the bench for that game and seeing it happen. Um, but, you know, we, there's a lot of youth talent coming up, um, you know, a lot of more younger players that have that are you know, playing overseas in Europe uh, where the competition is is, is tougher. Um, and it's just, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic that, you know, uh, Greg Berhalter now who's in charge will get, um, we'll get the team back on the right track to qualify for the, for the next World Cup. And then, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's exciting to be a fan. You know, you want to see these, this new kind of youth movement um, take part in, in, in the national team and, uh, it seems like a, a good group to get behind. You know, a lot of good players with a lot of great potential. We're anxious to see, and we're anxious to see the first league to start in the bubble in Orlando and Disney. Alejandro, we'll be watching. 
thanks for sharing all the insights about the business of the MLS, which has been renegotiated just recently, and of course the future over the next two months. We will be watching, and uh, I wish you the best down there for the union as a fan myself and for you personally. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, we'll be making sure to get down there, and hopefully everybody, you know, will be like the Bundesliga, you know, where there's no major setbacks, and we'll be back to enjoying soccer and sports in general. Thanks, Alejandro. I'll see you at the coffee shop soon after when you get back. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Hope you enjoyed listening to Alejandro. Very insightful, thoughtful comments about where the MLS was in these negotiations, where they are now. And they're ready to go. He's reporting soon, and this league will be starting July 8th as the MLS Cup, if you will, resumes their season after a a quick start of two games before they had to shut down. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Read my articles at the MMQB. Join the Patreon, if you will, to get more content, more access to me. Thanks to my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal, my musical producer, Sam Brandt, And of course, any comments, rankings on Apple Podcasts are truly appreciated. And I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.